There's something curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of TGP Nominal Extra. As I mentioned in the January Skies episode, it's sometimes difficult to rally the troops together in January. So, unfortunately, Mr. Berger can't be with us tonight. But I'm not alone because, joining me on the line, I have a fellow podcaster called Pavo. Now, you might remember that name if you're a regular listening to the show because we spoke ooh a few years back at uh, the Star Wars Celebration Europe in London how are you doing Pavo? I'm doing very well thank you very much for having me on your show I feel very honoured well it's it's always great to, to get a fellow Star Wars fan on, on the show because to be honest with you we don't get enough Star Wars fans on um, <laughs> we have spoken to, to other podcasters actually who are Star Wars fans because we've spoken to Chris Siegel from the Star Wars Underworld. Oh, right. Okay. So we've had him on the show a couple of years back. And uh, yeah, that got quite deep. I can imagine. You have been podcasting for quite a while now, haven't you? Well, six and a half years now. Yeah. It's been a wonderful ride. There's there's definitely... I've, I've said it so many times over the six and a half years that if anybody thinks they want to have a go at podcasting they should just do it they shouldn't think about it too hard it, it takes a while to get used to um, i knew nothing about podcasting or editing when i started um so it was all self-taught it was uh, a rigmarole to get your podcast up on itunes i think it's a little bit simpler now depending on what podcast host but even things like you don't realize you need a podcast host you need this it's not just as simple as uploading something to this magic space you there's a lot of work that goes into it. And even then, once you've got the podcast going, it's nonstop in getting people to find out about it and all the social media side of it. It's it's a full-time job that's supposed to be just a hobby. So it's <laughs> But it's also so much fun. And you get to meet. And we've, we've done it with all the... I think we, myself and Neil, who's uh, my co-host, we totted up. But I think we've done about 12 different podcasts over those six and a half years. And at one point, we had eight podcasts going at the same time. They weren't all weekly ones. We had some that were like, we do every so often, some we do monthly, one we do weekly. But it's just so much fun. It's just so much fun. Unfortunately, there's no financial um, recompense, if you like. That's the only downside to it. You have to do it for love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> the amount of time you put into it is just amazing. It is. But yeah, I didn't want to forget Neil because you two are like, uh, I, I, want, I don't want to call you kind of like the two Ronnies of podcasting, but <laughs> you kind of are. Um, You'd be surprised how many people, we, we joke about the fact that we're like Morecambe and Wise in the fact that people think that we finish the pod we both go and put our pajamas on we both go and smoke a pipe and we lay in bed <laughs> and we wake up the next morning and we're having breakfast to the sound of the stripper and we're dancing with strings of sausages where that's not the case at all <laughs> we don't live together I've, i'm happily married for 25 years i've got uh, children i've got grandchildren all this sort of stuff so it's, it's weird you saying that because there is a little bit of a you know people sort of think that we're this more common wise or 
or dare I say it, Anton Deck and uh, stuff like that. But yeah, it's weird you say that. <laughs> and and you've also had a little stint on um the, on, on your local BBC radio as well, haven't you? Yeah. Well, we've been we've been on um, a few times, um, and then the evening show did a. Uh, uh, BBC Radio Gloucestershire, uh, like the seven till ten show. Um, at nine, from nine till ten, they had a whole month of different people going on and just doing their own thing for an hour. And we were very lucky to be asked. Um, I had kidney stones at the time, so I was in quite a bit of pain. I was, I was literally the day after I went to the hospital with kidney stones. It was on the Friday I went to the hospital, but the Thursday night was when we went in and did the radio show. And for that hour, I felt no pain. I just had so much fun. When you realise that you're on the BBC, you have to obviously be very careful with every word that comes out. Because yeah. <laughs> when you're doing things on the internet, when you're doing you can swear as much as you like it, you know, if, if your podcast is that way inclined. So we did have to sort of rein it in a little bit, but we got away with a hell of a lot more than I thought we and again it's just so much fun and it's nice to build up a bit of a, a rapport and a bit of a relationship with again inverted commas a bona fide radio station if you like um, but we've always had for, through the six and a half years of, of doing podcasting we've always sort of kept in touch and had guests from BBC Radio Wiltshire and BBC Radio Gloucestershire and we spoke just this week for our This Country podcast to Ben Atkinson, who does the afternoon show on Heart FM. Oh, wow. Um, and a lovely guy, a lovely guy. He's a big This Country fan and, and knows Daisy and Charlie quite well. But then you also go in there and you think, my God, this is their job. Well, how amazing this must be that what we do as a hobby that we love, this, they're getting paid to do this. It must be amazing, you know. And the, and we had one uh, BBC Radio Gloucestershire presenter who we're quite uh, friendly with. And said that when she came into the into our little shed, and I don't, don't know if anybody realises, but where we broadcast from is literally a just a little square concrete shed that's in my uh, back garden. It used to have just white walls. Now it is literally covered. Uh, there isn't a white space left on the walls now. It's covered in Star Wars stuff. <laughs> uh, nothing valuable, unfortunately, but it's all just covered and when she came in she said you know you sort of sparked back what radio should be it should be fun you shouldn't be thinking oh i've got to go on the radio it's, it's a privilege to do it at that particular point in time you are the one person talking to whether it's hundreds or it's thousands or it's hundreds of thousands and i thought that was really sweet i thought it was really nice that she felt that she came here she had some fun and she sort of put that then into her show uh, back on the radio which was a really nice feeling it's funny you should say that about just being in a, a little brick-built shed. When I first started getting into podcasting or listening to podcasting, I, I used to listen to this guy called Richard Vobes, who at the time used to be the most prolific podcaster because I think he did a, a half-hour podcast every day. And he wow. did it for like 10, 15 years, something like that. And um, he had the persona that he put across that he was he was down in Worthing and uh, he, he said I'm doing the podcast from this beach hut in Worthing that had sound effects of seagulls and all this kind of stuff and he, I believed it for a while until I realised it was just a brick built thing in his back garden right um, but yeah for years I just thought 
Yeah, he's actually doing this from a beach hut in Worthing, you know. That's the leveller for podcasts, because you could have someone like Joe Rogan, who arguably has the most successful podcast on iTunes or, you know, on the internet, if you like, where he gets millions and millions of listens every week or every show. He, you know, he's got sponsors that are paying him thousands of, of dollars every week, every month, whatever it is. But if you get yourself a decent microphone... Um, you've got a decent computer and a decent uh, internet signal. Your podcast will sound exactly the same quality as his. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how many thousand. You know that he's got a producer and he's got somebody that will edit and he's got somebody. You know he's got this whole entourage of people that work for him. Whereas, like yourself, yourself probably and, and myself, we do it by ourselves. We lock ourselves away in our little rooms and we we edit and we social media and do all that stuff. But our end product sounds exactly the same as theirs. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, obviously, if we went into, if we did a YouTube channel or you went into television, you'd need a massive budget behind you to do it. Yeah. That's why I've always said to anybody that they, I've, I've so many people have said to me, yeah, I've always thought about doing the podcast. And I said, well, just do it, even if you record it on your phone. You know, phones these days have got great recorders. Or buy yourself just a, a, a cheap mixer and a cheap microphone. They don't have to be fantastic, but obviously, I think once you get get caught by the bug, you realise actually I could maybe spend another thirty, forty quid on a microphone, and it might sound a little bit better. Yeah, it's there at your fingertips to do it. Yeah, I've just picked up. Um, I don't know if you know of them, the the iRig um, mics. It's basically an iRig mic is is a microphone that you plug into Android or iPhone, and right. it's almost studio quality. Right, but obviously. If you're out and about, you want to try and make it as, as studio-like as possible. So you just bury your head in a wardrobe if you're in a hotel or something. And uh, you That's know. right. And the thing is, I mean, we, we've got um, one of those little Zoom microphones, like a compact Zoom microphone. And that's what we used when we went to when we, we met you yeah. at uh, Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. And they're, they're great, you know. I mean, I don't think it's as good as a studio environment. Obviously, you can control the environment a little bit more. Obviously, there's a little bit less outward sound going on. But at the same time, I think in the end, get something recorded. It's, it's more about the idea yeah. than about the logistics of how you're going to record it. Exactly. It's trying to find something that... That is a little bit different. I think that's the same when it comes to. I mean, we've we've dabbled in YouTube videos where we've done um, uh, movie trailer reactions and things like that. You know, we're we're always behind the curve on things like that. But um, but then it's varied success. One thing you don't I don't understand is how we would do maybe two or three trailer reactions in a week. One would get 15, 20 views. Mm-hmm. One would get four or five hundred views, and one would get about five thousand views. And there'd be no rhyme or reason as to to why. And I became a bit obsessed with it. You know, me and my wife were going out for the day. And all of a sudden I found out that the new Guardians of the Galaxy 2 trailer had turned up. I'd be saying to her, we've got to go home. Because I need to go and get this recorded now. You know, while it's fresh. If if I record it tomorrow, it's too late. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm I'm letting the new Andrew Garfield trailer (laughs) for whatever it was, some movie dictate what i'm doing in my life and that's <laughs> ridiculous it's ridiculous you know but again it's one of those things where you get bitten by the bug and you start thinking i need to do i need to do this i need to do this so we're going to take a short break and when we come back pavo is going to tell us about what i can guess you can call a pilgrimage that he took recently
Do you desire a place to get away? How about three? You truly belong here among the clouds on Bespin, the first stop on your Star Tours getaway package. Stay and play in the clouds and enjoy the spectacular Galaxy in the Skies fireworks pageant every single night. The fun continues on the forest moon of Endor, where you'll sleep under the stars with the lovable Ewoks in their charming tribal villages. Your third stop brings you to the peaceful world of Alderaan, where you can relax in a natural wonderland, recently voted safest planet in the galaxy by Hyperspace Traveler. This Star Tours getaway package is three times the fun in one, so ask your travel consultant to book yours today. This is TGP Nominal. You have just recently done a trip of a lifetime, really, haven't you? I have, yes. We've been saving up for about four and a half years. 2019 was a big year for our family. It was uh, it was my 50th birthday. It was it's my wife's 50th next April. It's our it's it was our 25th wedding anniversary this April. Just gone. Um, about four and a half years ago, we decided that we were going to go to Florida. We'd been back in 2008, took the whole family, and we'd saved up God knows how long for that. Um, but my wife and I, we said, right, the kids are all sort of grown up now. They've all got their own jobs. If they want to come, they can come with us, but they're paying. So we will do an open invitation. Anybody that wants to come, that's fine. Uh, we're going to get a villa, so they don't need to worry about accommodation, but they need to get their flights and tickets. And in the end, my mum and dad came. One of my daughters with her boyfriend and our little grandson came. They originally said Galaxy's Edge would be opening in California in the summer of 2019 and in the fall of 2019 in Disney World. Mm -hmm. Now, the fall can be September, October, November. And I said to my wife, well, look, we're not, it's not going to be open when I want to go. So let's just book it for whenever you want to go, and that's fine. And she said, well, let's go back another couple of weeks. We'll go, say, start of October. And then a few months later, they said, Galaxy's Edge will be open in Disney World. I think it was August 29th or August 27th. I thought, this is unbelievable. This is almost like the forces at work here. It's meant to be that I'm supposed to go to Galaxy's Edge. When Solo, A Star Wars Story came out, I started thinking to myself, right, this is now the moment where it is fashionable to hate on Star Wars. It doesn't matter what Star Wars or Lucasfilm or Disney do. The fashionable thing to do, especially on YouTube, to get clicks is to slag Star Wars off. That's just the beeline. So, so I thought, as soon as Galaxy's Edge opens, these people are now going to come down on it like a ton of bricks. And it's exactly what happened. It's not very busy. It's, it's rubbish. There's nothing to do. All of these things started coming. And I bothered not watching those videos because I thought, I'm not going to get caught up in this trap. I'm just going to now watch it. I wanted to see what... It was like I wanted to see what was around. I wanted to see what things you could do there. So before I'd even got there, I'd had quite an emotional roller coaster regarding Galaxy's Edge. It was it was getting to me a bit. One minute I'd go, well, it's not going to be open when I when I go. So listen, I'm not even going to think about it. Not going to worry about it. Forget about it. Then when I realised it was going to be open, I know they're selling lightsabers. I know that you can go and make your own lightsaber. I want to do that. And I didn't realise until. I was online one time and it said that you need to book your space to go and make your own lightsaber. 
So luckily I managed to find a space for a specific day. And it's everything just seemed to just fall into place perfectly. And when it got to that day, which I think was the second day that we went, we ended up going to Disney Studios. Have you been to Disney World? I have, yeah. yeah. You have. So you know where Star Tours is? Yeah. It's basically, if you've got Star Tours on your left and you've got the big Attack, yeah. you look straight down, right into the distance, you can see the archway and the tunnel going into Galaxy's Edge. Right, I'm with you. Yep. Yeah, so so we're we're walking down, and straight away there's my wife, there's my daughter, and my mum, all with their phones out, all pointing at me. Well, I've got my phone, so I'm doing my point of view. And I walked into the tunnel and just lost it. I just the emotion of it, just completely. I mean, you can see it is. I think my daughter put it up on YouTube or on Facebook somewhere. Just totally overwhelmed me, and I am for the start of it. I'm eight again, and I'm. I'm just walking through this dark tunnel. You walk out into Galaxy's Edge, and on the left-hand side is where the Rise of the Resistance ride is going to be. And on the right-hand side, you've got, um, I think it was a, an A-Wing, and just at sort of like 11 o'clock, if you're looking straight up, you've got an X-Wing. And I again, I just lost it. And I thought, I'm not in Disney World now. I am on this planet. And that was being there for two minutes. And I thought to myself, Christ... I haven't even seen the Millennium Falcon yet. I don't know what I'm going to do when I see that. <laughs> so I am, I'm wiping the tears away, and my mum and my mum is crying. My wife is just asking me if I'm okay. My daughter's crying. I go over to one of the cast members because they've got little stalls. They had a little resistance stall with helmets and mugs and stuff. And this cast member came over and said, uh, "Are you okay?" I said, "I'm, I'm really sorry." I said, "But I'm a little bit." It's just a little bit too much at the moment. And she said, well, we do have a beautiful planet, don't we? And I will say that that's the, one of the things that I took away from it more than anything else, that the cast members or the people that work there, whether they are working behind the, the milk stand or selling Coke, as in Coca-Cola, <laughs> or, <laughs> or just walking around cleaning, they are all in character. They all live and work on Batu, they're not somebody that lives in Florida that's come and work there for the day. They live on that planet and they never break from that. So, I mean, that was just the start of it. And I think the whole up and down of, is it going to be open before I go? Uh, am I going to be able to get a space to make my own lightsaber? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to do that? All just evaporated and the whole thing then just sort of washed over me. And I just spent the next sort of four or five hours just shaking my head at the total immersion of the place. You can't see any other rides from any of the other lands. You know, everywhere you look, you can see the skyline of the Black Spire outpost. It is just a beautiful place to be. And if anybody who is a Star Wars fan isn't moved by being around it, all right, but I will say, yes, it is expensive. Okay, yes, the choice of food is not fantastic. Ronto's Roasters, which they do these sausages in like a pit of bread thing, is lovely, but it's quite expensive i can imagine if you're not a big star wars fan wandering around for an hour or so and you sort of think well that's it i've seen everything i'm an apologist star wars fan i love the prequels i love all the films they're not all perfect but i love everything that star wars yeah uh, so i can also understand anybody saying but there isn't any of the original star wars there but it's a living, breathing story. That's the beauty of it. It's not that you are walking into the past. This is Star Wars right now. And these people are living what's happening right now. 
So you have first order stormtroopers wandering around, but they're not there to have photographs taken with you. They are there because they're on patrol. It's the uh, 709th Legion, I think it is. That's oh, right. the Legion that they are actually wearing their cap as we speak. So, yeah, 709th. So that's showing you how much it's evolved since the 501st. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the Legion that has been seconded to Batu to keep the peace you know and keep the order on that planet all of those little minute details are the things that i love about it more than anything else so. oh, you saying it, it being expensive at the end of the day it's a theme park and theme parks generally are quite expensive for what you get they um, are and disney when it comes to merchandising are very good at uh, coming up with stuff that makes you want it <laughs> you're right and and you know the cynical part of it is, I think as soon as Galaxy's Edge opened, they put their entrance prices up. Right. As as soon as they realise that uh, you know people are going to start buying these lightsabers, they put the price of the lightsabers up by twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wanted to go and buy a blue milk or a green milk, it was eight dollars for that, and we we bought one of each and just shared it around. The blue milk is better than the green milk, and in my opinion. Now, you've got me onto something now. So what exactly, or you can't exactly probably describe exactly what it is, but there are differences between the two. Um, But what kind of flavour is it? They're both sort of like smoothies. Mm -hmm. They've got like, I think it must be like a crushed ice kind of thing in them, so they're very cold. You get a brain freeze. The blue one has more of a fruity taste, whereas the green one has more of an earthy taste. I don't know if that even makes sense. I'm I'm not even going to say it's a vegetable flavour, because it has got fruity undertones. (laughs) That sounds very pretentious, (laughs) talking about green milk that comes from the the boob of some big animal on on an island. It is hard to expect, and I think that's another good thing about it, is all the food there, the Ronto wrap, which is basically a, it's a pita bread with a pork sausage, like a, sort of like a hot dog sausage, wrapped in pork, but then has this kind of coleslaw sauce on it that I couldn't really put your finger on exactly what it is, which then I think then makes it otherworldly, if you you know what I mean. You know, you can't, you thought, oh yeah, mm, sort of tastes a little bit peppery, but a little bit mayonnaise-y, so I don't think it's that. So you can't put your finger on it, so it must come from a different world kind of thing. And I think that's what it is with the blue and the the green milk. It's like, mm, I can sort of taste a bit of pineapple, but then with that, it tastes a little bit weird as well. So... I think that might be the key to it. We didn't. I didn't get a chance to go to called Docking Bay Seven, which was like a sit-down restaurant. Right. I didn't get a chance to get to Ogre's Canteen because you had to book a space for that. Mm-hmm. But then, as soon as you get to see the Millennium Falcon again, that's when I lost it. That is another wonder of the world when you stand there. And I spent an hour just sat in, you know, next to the Millennium Falcon as the sun was going down. The second time I went, it is a thing of beauty. It just is. It is so detailed. You know, when the sun's going down and you have the the mountains, if you like, in the background that's that's there. I took some amazing photographs of it. And then you'll have Chewie and Ray walking around. Chewie will go and start checking on some ships. And I mean, they are there for photo opportunities, but they won't stop and just have photos with people. They're, they're there because they've got a job they've got to go and do. Ray is just wondering what beautiful bit I saw. And she didn't know anybody was looking at her, but she was just walking past. And she noticed that there were two stormtroopers just I don't know, 40, 50 yards away. So she stopped and she ducked behind a, a pillar. And then as some people were walking past, she just asked them, is it okay if they could walk in a line so that she could walk so they couldn't see her? Because obviously they know who Ray is. Mm-hmm. So 
they, you know, she just says, is it possible you could just, just walk in a, in a line so that I can walk this way because I need to get over there? And that's all part of it. You've got to help Ray get to where she needs to go. So they're not there for photo opportunities, which obviously they, they will stop and have photographs. But if they see a stormtrooper, it's their job to get people to, you know, hopefully uh, sympathising with the resistance to help them. So again, it's all part of the story. You can be as immersed as you want or you don't have to, to do it, but it's so much fun when you do. I was going to say because it's it's quite interactive as well because you there's this app thing you can do isn't there? There is now that's interesting because I'd read up on the on the app. There's loads of things you can do while you're in the queue for Smuggler's Run, which is the Millennium Falcon ride. And I think the app is there that they were expecting the lines to be three, four, five hours. So it gives you something to do while you're waiting. The trouble is, because the line was moving so fast, I didn't have time to do all of the little things they wanted me to do. There's supposed to be things that you're looking for when you end up in the queue and you can see the back of the Millennium Falcon. There is little questions that they're asking you. But again, because the line is moving so fast, you haven't got time to answer the question. So it's a great idea, but it's great if there is a massive queue, if you're, if you're able to wait. And the thing is, I, I managed. I was lucky enough to ride the Falcon ride six times. Wow. Um, because there are six different positions in the cockpit. You have two pilots, two gunners, and two engineers. Mm-hmm. So I queued up with uh, the family the first time because I wanted to make sure that I was going to be a pilot, and there was five of us. So I thought, right, I'm definitely going to be able to be a pilot. And then luckily enough, we went uh, back in, I did single riders. Every time I got there, I got given the position that I wanted. Again, it was the force in action. It was everything <laughs> coming together. I didn't have to like bark. I was somebody, do you want to be a gunner? Yeah, I'll be an engineer. Every single time I did it, I got the position that I wanted to be. So I did it six times, six positions. And it's a great ride. It's a great ride. There's nothing better than sitting at the controls. If you're a pilot, one of you is going left and right and one of you is going up and down the ride is pretty much exactly the same each time you do it but you get a certain score and if you damage the falcon when you come back out there's sparks flying everywhere and smoke because you've completely totaled it or you've damaged it enough that it, it can't fly anymore and stuff like that that was really good but saying that though the rise of the resistance ride is supposed to be the best thing ever I miss that, but I'm I'm not complaining about that at all. Because it's the same with the the updated Star Tours, wasn't it? Because every time, well, they say every time. I think there's some like sixty, seventy variations of how that could end up when you went on it. A friend of mine went on it probably about six or seven times, and it was different each time he went on it. So, right. I, and I'm imagining the the Rise of the Resistance is going to be very similar to that. I could imagine. I can imagine because it's, it's a trackless ride as well. This Rise of the Resistance. It's um, supposed to be state of the art we managed to get on um star tours once and it was hoth we did hoth mm-hmm. which again was loads of fun it's it's a it's a great ride space the final frontier these are the voyages of tgp nominal on its infinite mission to explore space science the technology news to explore the world of sci-fi, comic-con, and gaming to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. I've got next to me, which I will, let me just... Um, oh, what a <laughs> um, So I've, I've got the lightsaber here that I made at Savvy's workshop, and... 
it's like a little show. It's like a little experience. Mm-hmm. You walk into this room with, I think it's 16 other people. Before you go in, you get a choice of four different designs. So you've got Peace and Justice, which is like a, a Jedi-style lightsaber. Power and Control, which is this, a Sith kind of lightsaber. Elemental Nature, which has got like a Rancor tooth and and uh, I think it's like Wookiee stuff woven into it. Uh, or Protection and Defense, which is more like an ancient Old Republic kind of lightsaber. So you choose which one you want, and then when you go in and uh, go to the experience, you have this guy who's called, they're all called Gatherers, and they do like this scripted thing, and they give you your tray with all your bits, and you have two choices of each part that you want. You have to choose which color kyber crystal you want, and then you build your lightsaber. Put it into this little chamber, all of a sudden Yoda starts talking to you, and that's when I lost it a little bit, because (laughs) there's music going on, there's a soundtrack to it, and the guy that's doing the... uh, the script he must have learnt it so well because when he pauses there's a little music beat that goes on and it's it's just beautiful i mean i put the whole thing up on on facebook i had to because it's just a beautiful little ceremony but so much so you get your lightsaber and you get a like a little bag to put it in and hang it around you but it's a bag that the first order stormtroopers aren't going to know what it is if you're walking around they're not going to know. But I went round and had a photograph, like an official Disney photograph taken outside the Millennium Falcon with my lightsaber. And uh, this main gatherer, the one that did the uh, uh, the experience, was just walking past. I don't know whether he was going off to have his, have his dinner or whatever, I don't know. But he was still in his costume. And I'm there with my lightsaber lit in front of the Millennium Falcon as the sun's going down, looking really cool. And he came up to me and he just whispered to me and he said... Uh, traveler you might want to put your lightsaber away because there are stormtroopers around so i quickly shoved it back in my bag i said i'm terribly sorry (laughs) back in my bag and i thought oh my god just shows you how much you're immersed because he's basically told me off for waving my lightsaber around but then just made me laugh afterwards because at that moment i was totally in it i was totally i'm really sorry i shouldn't be doing this and then i just laughed afterwards once he walked off but there was no glint in his eye about it. He was deadly serious. He was deadly serious about, you know, you shouldn't be waving that around, you know, because you're going to get in, us into trouble. I'm terribly sorry. Yeah, so that was that was good. So really, the, the people who are actually cast members, because that's what they call them, cast members, you've got to be a Star Wars fan, haven't you? I would assume they are, but to me, it would be an amazing job. If that was your job where you're going to do that every day, even if you're working behind the counter and you're just you're selling, you're selling blue milk, it's bright suns when you see someone... I think it's for the spire when you say goodbye. It's uh, it must be amazing, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I, I, there's some a friend of mine that is over there at the moment, and uh, and it's her and her husband, and she did a uh, video yesterday at Galaxy's Edge, and she is not a Star Wars fan at all. She had absolutely no idea why everybody was so excited. She she couldn't understand like what all these ships were, and she just kept saying, "Oh, Pav, I wish you were like online now because you could tell me what these things are." But no idea where anybody's having fun, and they keep waving these sticks around. And I'm thinking, "Oh, bless her heart!" But that must be weird that if you've got no concept of what all this stuff is. It just must be really weird. Why is everybody excited about it? It's horses for courses, isn't it? One of the things that I took away from this is it also grew my love for Chewie. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I've not been a fan of Chewie, and the same with R2-D2. Chewie's been one of those characters that he's there, he, he's always there, he doesn't really do much, but he was he was sort of everywhere. He was always wandering around, and we did a you could do a meet and greet with some of the characters like BB-8 and and Chewie and we had a photograph with Chewie and he he took a shine to me 
because because he took my hat off and saw that I had no hair, so plumped his hand on my head like it was a wig, and we had a photograph like that. And all, and all of a sudden, I sort of like I fell in love with Chewy. I thought, oh my god, this is really strange. And then my grandson, who's uh, two in January, all of a sudden fell in love with R two D two and started calling him two D. And then I thought, oh yeah, I love R two D two too. So it's sort of like it reignited love for two characters that I didn't really not like didn't care about them, but not like other characters where you think, Oh, I love that character, or I love Han Solo, or I love just how Darth Vader looks and stuff. And it was really weird how I come away from that and thought the two characters that I wasn't particularly fussed about, all of a sudden I got a, a, a sort of a deeper love for. <laughs> I think with a lot of people it's the characters that don't actually speak that produce noises and things that they warm to because you can almost work out what they're trying to say well i think with the droids in particular they can be quite obnoxious because <laughs> they're rude they are very rude That's um right. and, and it's almost like back in the day when you were kids and you had sooty and sweet it was the most <laughs> foul mouth <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, but I think being someone like um, like my grandson, who's obviously is at the age now that he's learning new words and he's learning how to say things and saying one words. When you've got a character like Chewie, where it's basically a growl, or R2D2, where it's beeps and he doesn't hear words, he just hears funny sounds. So maybe that's what attracts him to those characters. It was just so sweet that um, that he he's found this affinity with with R two D two for some reason, and because of that, I, it means I love R two D two a bit more now. But with R two, I mean, you have got the different sounds. You've got when he's in danger and he makes that kind of scream sound that he makes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and C3PO has a go at him and he kind of goes, um, it's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's, I'm going to isolate that sound there for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit that little bit of the sound. I think I'm going to use that for another podcast. I'm <laughs> talking to droids. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> Well, we also, we'd, um, we'd saved some money up for my grandson to be able to go and do some stuff. And we booked him to go and make his own droid at the droid depot. Which again was loads of fun. You 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 pick what kind of droid you want, whether you want a BB unit or an R two unit or a, yeah, I think that's that's the two. Um, and then you pick what parts you want, and then you get a little remote control, and you can you know fly it off and stuff. And it, and, and that was a lot of fun. And the other thing was I've got them on my side here. The Coca I don't know if you've seen it. The Coca Cola bottles. Yes. Um, that look like thermal detonators. Yeah, and they're in um oh, uh, what's the language Arabash, isn't it? That's right. Yes, yes. And and the, the thing was, I was told before we went that um, the TSA, the American um, Security Agency at the airports, wouldn't allow you to take them back because they looked like bombs. But it was while I was over there, I read somewhere that they'd actually gone back on that decision. So I thought, right, I'm going to go and buy one of each. The only thing I didn't do was buy a Sprite one. But I've got a Diet Coke, a Coke, and a water bottle. Going through security, I thought they're going to pull me up on it. I can see it. I can see it. But. Um, They've got some amazing, uh, what they call legacy lightsabers over there. They've got uh, hilts of some of the major lightsabers. Yeah. And I want to buy Luke's lightsaber from Return of the Jedi. That was That's my favorite lightsaber, and that's what I want them. They're metal. They look amazing. You can take the blade out of the one that you've made and, and pop it into these lightsabers, and they all work, and they're, they're fantastic. But when I got there... And you see all these lightsabers displayed. I ended up coming back with five other lightsabers. <laughs> wow. 
my wife kept saying to me, look, have you got the money? I said, yeah. She goes, right, then you do what you want with the money. It's, it's entirely up to you. I mean, I ended up having to buy another suitcase to be able to get them all back. But they are, again, they're just things of beauty. I've got Kylo Ren's. I've got uh, Darth Vader's. I've got the original, what would be Anakin's lightsaber, which was given to Luke by Ben mm-hmm. in A New Hope. Uh, I've got Obi-Wan Kenobi's from Phantom Menace. Oh, and Luke's from Return of the Jedi. They're just lovely. I'm, I'm just working on how I'm going to display them now. But Kylo Ren's can do some damage. That's that's a heavy old bit of kit. That is. It comes in a big box. So they are quite solid pieces then. Oh, they. I mean, really solid. Re- I mean, the, the, the quality of the workmanship in them and the fact that, you know, you, you can... I've, I've been told and looked at videos that you can fight with them if you want to. They're good quality stuff. Apart from Kylo Ren's, they were about $120, $130. When you look at those Force FX lightsabers, they're about $160, $170. And you can only get these, apparently, from Galaxy's Edge. But uh, I didn't think I was ever going to get there again, so I sort of uh, I made the most of it. That's it. I mean, when you're thinking in that respect, you just do what you need to do to be honest it was a what sort of like a once in a lifetime i'm not being silly because i'm not going to apologize for any of it but uh, because disney studios have this thing with extra magic hours you can go in three hours before the normal customers if you like mm-hmm. if you stay at a disney hotel so i ended up staying at the swan hotel which is the nearest one to disney studios for one night just by myself my wife didn't want to go she, she'd done galaxy's edge one day so that was enough for her so I stayed there for one night so I could get into Galaxy's Edge really early the following day. A few people sort of said, what's the point of that? And it, for me, it was, I just want to do it. I'm never going to get here again. If you're a Star Wars fan, you'd be silly not to go. Don't listen to the, the, the YouTubers. Go and experience it yourself because I think you have to experience it there. You, mm-hmm. know, you, you can get loads of stuff from YouTube videos and um, stuff like that but if you're a Star Wars fan and you're there I think the, the whole atmosphere of the place just like I say washes over you for me anyway having done both styles of Star Tours it's only second nature for me to actually go because it's basically going to be for me Star Tours on steroids that, that's a great way of putting it because if you love Star Tours it's Star Tours times a million I think the rule is as an adult you can't dress up in costume think you've got to be under 12 or under 14 i think if you want to wear a costume but saying that you can live star wars for as long as you like in there i'm already watching some of my friends that are there now and since we've come back i think there's been three of my friends that have gone over there two of them are over there at the moment one's just come back and they've all gone to galaxy's edge and they've all loved it and they've all done the same thing they've all managed to get a slot to be able to make their own lightsaber and and you can see how much they love it. And I think if you're a Star Wars fan, I don't think it's the same if you're not a Star Wars fan or if you're, you, you don't mind Star Wars. Like my, my wife will enjoy it if it's on, but obviously not to the same level that I do. And she enjoyed it walking around for a couple of hours, but I think after a couple of hours, she was done. Yeah. Literally the, the day that I went by myself, I checked into the hotel, went straight there. So it was about five o'clock at night and I sat by the Millennium Falcon for about an hour and a half. And that for me, I could have, I could have sat there for another three hours. You know, it, it didn't matter that I wasn't doing anything. It was just the fact that I was there, just enjoying the moment, which, um, I don't think I've ever done at a theme park before. You walk around, um, Magic Kingdom. We, we, we did Magic Kingdom for one day. We was there from like 10 till I think it was 11 o'clock at night. And it was just physically and emotionally knackering. It was hot. 
it's great. Don't get me wrong. You know, you know, it's a very first world problem that you're complaining about Magic Kingdom, but it was a it's it's beautiful place. It's great, but it didn't give me the same buzz as it did just walking around, you know, Galaxy's Edge for oh, yeah. half a day. Would would you say though that it's a completely different experience when you visit it in at night? I wouldn't say it's a completely different experience, but I think walking around the Millennium Falcon is different. My, the, the, my one regret, there was somebody that I heard talking, and they was, and as I was walking past them, they said, oh, it's a shame they don't do like fireworks for around here. And I thought, oh, well, that's, they're not doing fireworks, so I'll, I'll go back to that. So I went back to like the hotel at like half eight, because I knew I was going to be getting up early to go around again the next day. And then I grabbed one of the, uh, like the maps, and I looked, and it said at 10 o'clock, Star Wars fireworks. Oh, I thought, no, no, I really missed it. <laughs> so um, we, we weren't planning on going back there for a night time anyway. So I, I, di- I did miss the fireworks. I don't know how involving they were, but it just said Star Wars fireworks. But that's one thing that Disney do. I mean, the, the Magic Kingdom fireworks were amazing. I mean, with all, all the family were there and none of it, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I think for me, an emotional experience with the, the fireworks and everything at Magic Kingdom was the fact that we saw some kids that were part of the, you know, Make-A-Wish Foundation. Oh, right. You know, that some of these kids have got um, terminal illnesses and things. And you just had this feeling, you know, this might be the last time that they ex- experienced something like this. And, yeah. and that was quite quite an emotional feeling. I can imagine. But, uh, yeah, Disney really know how to put on a show. They do. Absolutely. Have you ever wanted to get far, far away from it all? To a planet where no one will ever find you? Well... That place is closer than you think. Welcome to Earth's Wild Atlantic Way in Ireland. A welcoming pre-hyperdrive society. Friendly indigenous wildlife. And more than a few fun activities to train your apprentice. Earth's Wild Atlantic Way. Shooting location of Star Wars... The Last Jedi. Escape the dark side along Earth's wild Atlantic way. It's the perfect place to get away from it all. Blast off into the podosphere with TGP Nominal. Extra. Pavo, what's uh, next for you? Um, well... The main podcast that we concentrate on now is a fan podcast for a BAFTA-winning TV show called This Country. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yes, indeed. I don't know how we've done it, but I mean, the TV show has had two series, a comic relief special and uh, an actual special. So what's that? That's 12, 13 episodes and a comic relief skit. And we've managed to now do 102 episodes of the podcast on that. We've done two live shows in Sirencester, which is the home of Daisy and Charlie Cooper. The fans of this country, lovingly known as the Dump Gang, are a, a great bunch of people and they do support each other really, really well. I and mean, if you if you equate that with Star Wars fandom at the moment, which um, since The Last Jedi is quite toxic and quite divisive and, yeah. and not very nice at all, it is, it is lovely and refreshing to be part of a fan community that is all-encompassing. They don't just love each other because of the show. That's what's brought everybody together. 
but they look out for each other and if somebody's having a bit of a dying day someone will arrange a little bit of a collection and send them something like a bunch of flowers or something and or just some messages to ask if everybody's all right are you doing well and it's, it's a really nice fan community to be part of and yeah we're, we're going to do another live show and a third series of the tv show i think coming out probably early 2020 they finished filming in august and it could possibly be the last series because um daisy and charlie are starting to move on to sort of bigger and better things i mean we'll see we'll see we'll see how many more uh, episodes we can get we're, we're finding a lot of people we call super fans that we like to talk to we've got a few big names that we've got them to say yes they will be on the podcast but it's just finding a date because a lot of them are actors or writers and it's it's quite frustrating because we've had yeses from these people but it's just getting them on the hook and reeling them in to yeah. to get them down to just having like an hour of their time which is a little bit frustrating but uh I know exactly but, you know, what you mean. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's weird because we were, um, this one particular gentleman that I was uh, talking to, they've been working on a, on a, on a project and they've, they've, they've finished the project, but they've moved on to something else. So every time I, I message them, they're very apologetic. It's not like they're trying to fob you off. They're just going, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to be going here or doing this. Just bear with me and I, I will get to you. You know, you, you think, oh, okay, no problem. That's fine. You know, thank you so much. But you sort of think, oh, I just, I just want an hour. Just give me an hour with these people. And you probably know the same when you're trying to move things around or trying to be very accommodating to them but you just want you know that it's a perfect guest that you want to talk to yeah. you know and, and yeah. it's, it's all part of it you know yeah definitely I would like to do something Star Wars driven but it's it's so saturated out there with, with Star Wars podcasts and theory podcasts. It's, it's again, trying to find that little bit of a angle that's a little bit different to, yeah. to what everybody else is doing, you know. Yeah, that, that's the reason why we didn't want to go down that route with this podcast, because we wanted to originally just do a space-related podcast. Yeah. Uh, and then we realised that, how geeky the people who work in the space community actually are so we thought right let's bring in the other aspects of it the the sci fact and the sci-fi together um yeah. and it works so so not only do we get people from uh, the realms of movies and tv and stuff we we actually get scientists from nasa on the show and all kinds of stuff so it's it's been a, an amazing ride to be honest but that's the, that's the thing is that it's, it's doubling your catchment area a little bit isn't it because mm -hmm. probably nine times out of ten people that like sci-fi are into science and people that are into science probably kind of like sci-fi so yeah you're, you're going for both markets there which is a, which is a, a great idea and and the other thing what we we like to do and we tend to go to a lot of these science fairs and things where we can endorse um the stem subjects the um science technology engineering and math and try and get the younger audience involved in sciences so you know wonderful sorting out the future as well <laughs> great is that <laughs> spanhead productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural hertfordshire we specialize in creating content for all your podcasting needs whether it be field recordings fox pops or capturing the atmosphere during social events editing is a very time consuming job so Spamhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound and we will do the rest we can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too visit us now Spamhead 
www.weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Well, it's time to wrap up this episode of TGP Nominal Extra. Pavo, it's been absolutely wonderful talking with you. It's been really nice talking to you, mate. I mean, we need to make sure that it's not so long next time. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Are they, are they planning a Star Wars celebration in England again? I don't think it's going to be for a while, is it? It won't be for a while, because considering, uh, as I said, the last one was 2016. The one before that was 2007, I want to oh, say. Oh, was it? Oh, right. Yeah, so it's, it's like... An- it's Anaheim next, isn't it, I think? Uh, yeah. Yeah, which will be yeah. quite an amazing one because you're right in the home of Disney as well, so you're going to have everything involved. It works out to be once every 10 years it comes back to London. Well, I'll see, I'll see you in 2025 then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in my diary now. <laughs> and I bet Pam Rose will be there as well. Oh, guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> Love you, Pam. Hopefully, normal services will be resumed next month, and also, hopefully, I can reveal something major that is happening for TGP Nominal in 2020. So that leaves me with one thing left to say, and that's thanks for listening, take care one and all, and I'll speak to you all again real soon. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.